0: You're listening to The Mind Mental Podcast, Episode 28, Love Never Hurts, From Brawl to Connection. If you want a particular result in your life, but you're unable to get it, tune in to start training your brain and expanding your emotional intelligence to unlock the most powerful and underutilized performance tool that we have. It's the most important work you could do because... It affects every area of your life. Hello, my friends. I've got a juicy one for you today. It's all about love. We need more of it in the world, don't you think? The notion that love never hurts is a profound statement that challenges some common misconceptions about love. To qualify this a bit further, when we say that love never hurts, I'm referring to the pure essence of love itself untainted by our own expectations, attachments or fears. This distinction is a really important one because I think we've been trained up to use it as a weapon to hurt another when we withdraw it or as a shield to protect ourselves by not engaging in it with another. So we have this misunderstanding surrounding love, which can have significant consequences on our relationships, our personal growth, and our whole experience of life. So let's begin by unraveling the concept of self-protection through the withdrawal of love. Why do so many of us resort to this tactic when faced with disappointment? i think the first step is to explore and define what love really is so that we know what instrument that we're actually dealing with whenever we go and use it in a way that perhaps was never intended at its core in the way i teach it i'm referring to it as an emotion or feeling it's a concept that is deeply ingrained in the human experience and yet it can be challenging to define it in a concise and universally agreed way. We're going to examine it here though through the lens of psychology and neuroscience. There are many people out there who will attest to love being an action, but I'm more inclined to separate these out as I do with all emotions to say that an action that might be viewed as a loving thing to do is only possible because it's being fueled by the emotion of love itself. Our feelings and emotions is what fuels our actions and behaviors. So we can have somebody perform exactly the same actions, but have them being fueled by two very different emotions. One might be fueled by love. Another might be fueled by an ulterior motive. So the action itself doesn't necessarily define the emotional content. A great conman, for example, will very quickly reveal this lesson to you if you haven't already had the pleasure of that experience. So, notice when we talk of the emotion, it's being experienced by the person who is actually feeling it. Actions or deeds can appear to be loving, but without knowing the emotional content behind them, we can't really say that the action itself is proof that the doer is actually feeling love. Neuroscience shows us the electrical activity of thought is what releases the neurochemicals and hormones in the brain, such as oxytocin and dopamine, to give us this metaphysical experience of what the emotion of love actually feels like. So it has very little to do with the other person in who they're directing their actions or thoughts towards and everything to do with the thoughts and the perceptions of the person who has generated the feeling of love within themselves that they are now projecting out. When we genuinely experience the emotion of love, it's usually often associated with other feelings such as compassion, warmth understanding and empathy. It has the capacity to nourish and uplift, bring joy, fulfillment, and a sense of purpose to our lives for the person, and this is key here, who has activated these biochemicals in their body through their mind. Are you with me here? Do you see who the primary recipient is here? It's the person who has generated the thoughts that has created the emotion and experience of feeling love. We think we're doing it for the other or denying the other and not doing it. But really, we are the ones who benefit from the experience of feeling love. So when we go and withdraw our love, so to speak, we're actually robbing ourselves of that experience of love. The other person may be the recipient of the actions displayed towards them, but it is impossible to go and create the feeling of love in their body for them. The energy that we feel in our body from the activation of an emotion can only come from our own thinking, our own thoughts, and whatever we go and make that action mean. This is really important concept to get. It applies to any emotion not just love, when you learn how emotions are created and all the dynamics involved, we can stop creating these painful experiences for ourselves when we hold on to the painful thoughts about another and expecting the other to die from the poison that we are drinking from. All that we end up doing is deluding and torturing ourselves. It's all at our own expense. This is something we have never been taught. And so most of us are locked into this self-destructive paradigm of harboring negative emotions and expecting the other person to suffer. I have the power to release these emotions in my body. I don't have the power to release them in your body. This is because I have absolutely no control over which thoughts you choose to think. So I can't transfer my experience of love or any other emotion onto you or anybody else. The way the emotion of love might fuel my actions and behavior will make it very easy for you to hang around and enjoy being the recipient of. But you ultimately get to make whatever experience you want from that. If it's unwelcome, those actions will have the opposite effect. And it could actually to create a feeling of disgust that flows from the thoughts of disapproval and unwanted behavior. If it was wanted, then you might create loving thoughts in response, which would then create a feeling of love within you. So even though I may direct love towards you, that is my experience, not yours. You have to then go and create it for yourself if you want Don't forget, love extends beyond romantic relationships and can be expressed in many different forms. We have platonic love, familial love, self-love, and the love shared within communities and friendships. It transcends boundaries and differences of age, gender, race, or culture. So now that we have a bit more understanding around what love is and how we experience it, Let's get back to this error of withdrawing our love in the name of self-protection. This presents as a misconception that love hurts when in fact, it's often the unmet expectations that we create that is actually creating the disappointment and pain. If we drop the expectations and just loved unconditionally, then we also drop the disappointment and pain. The vulnerability comes into it when we expect the other to love us as deeply as we might love them. And if they don't, we might go and perceive that as rejection. But here again, we have another expectation creeping in. In an ideal world, it would be lovely to find the perfect match when it comes to total compliance of our list of rules and expectations. Most of the challenges and conflicts we have in our relationships come about when the other deviates from this manual that we create for the other that I've referred to in previous episodes. What we go and do with all the breaches of this book is we go and make it mean that they mustn't love us because if they did, then they would go and do everything we want them to according to the manual to prove that they love us. Here we step into the realm of unconditional love, where we set it up in a way that says, I can only love you if you do this or that, which isn't really love. It's a a preference or a boundary that we have. We start to skew love and define it by a set of rules, which are entirely our rules. But we try and call it love. If it was truly love, Then how do we go so easily from thinking the other person is the light of our life, I can't live without them, to I want to kill them? In Australia, we have one woman every week dying at the hands of their partner. So what we're really doing is going from the emotion of love that we experience to defining it as our list of actions and behaviours that we need the other person to do in order for us to feel love and believe that they also love us. This is where we muddle it all up and create our own distorted perceptions of what love is. When we expect others to fulfill our desires, behave in a certain way, or meet specific expectations, we set ourselves up for disappointment. It is in these instances that pain arises, not from love itself, but from our attachment to a particular outcome or our inability to effectively communicate and navigate relationship dynamics. and as a consequence of making it mean that they don't love us, which is a form of rejection, coupled with the disappointment of our partner not meeting our needs, we need to recognize that withdrawing our love at this point is a defense mechanism rooted in fear. It isn't being fueled from love. When our expectations aren't met, we tend to feel hurt and vulnerable. And when we feel rejected, we tend to withdraw and hide. Rather than examining our own role in creating those expectations or how we assign the meaning that they don't love us, if they do or don't do all the things, what we do instead is we go and protect ourselves by withdrawing love. The intention may be to avoid further emotional pain, but what we're really essentially doing is exacerbating our problem of feeling rejected and disappointed by withdrawing ourselves from the experience of also feeling love, which never feels good. We're drinking from this cup of poison and expecting the other person to die from. So essentially, we're protecting ourselves from our own disappointment and sense of rejection that we created by closing ourselves off from love and interpreting their actions to mean they reject us, which only perpetuates a cycle of hurt. And we blame them for it. By withdrawing love, we only amplify our own feelings of discontentment and isolation. And we convince ourselves that love hurts because we're unwilling to face the root cause of our disappointment, which are our unmet expectations. Love itself is pure, compassionate, and nurturing. It's the lens through which we perceive it that causes us pain. Love itself does not inflict pain. It is our expectations and interpretations that lead to disappointment and pain. So what can we do to break free from this pattern? Firstly, we must recognize that love is not a transaction, but an emotion we experience as a result of our thoughts. It's a boundless expression of love that radiates from within us that we can then project out onto the world. And by acknowledging that our expectations are our own personal constructs, We can shift our focus inward and take responsibility for not only meeting our own needs and wants, but also in taking responsibility for our own emotions that only we can create. Communication becomes key. Openly expressing our preferences and making requests are fine, but don't go and hang your whole emotional well-being on that or try to define those. Under the blanket of love. Emotional childhood is when we stay trapped into thinking everyone else is responsible for our emotions. Stepping into emotional adulthood is when you take control and go about creating whatever emotion you want to experience. Based on the thoughts and perspectives that you choose to take on. Communication is not just about expressing where we're coming from, it's also about fostering a deep understanding of the perspective of the other. This is not the same as agreeing with them. It's just an insight into their view of the world. And we don't have to interpret these differences as a threat. This enables us to open up and have compassion for the other. When we can seek to understand their filters, their priorities, their insecurities their way of processing the world. It helps to take ourselves out of the equation for a moment to see how they themselves are at the effect of all those influences instead of making it all about us. None of this requires the withdrawal of love. It actually results in real connection and intimacy, in connecting with their experience and seeing into them. Into me see has been offered as a way of remembering the meaning of the word intimacy. By relinquishing our expectations, meeting our own needs and wants, and fostering open communication where we seek to understand the other, we can start to nurture healthier and more fulfilling relationships. But what about instances where our loved ones genuinely mistreat us? Now, this is an important distinction to make. And while withdrawing love may seem like an appropriate response when we're being mistreated, it seldom resolves the underlying issues. In these cases, it's essential to set healthy boundaries and communicate these assertively, which is going to be all about what you will do if they violate them crucial to address the behavior without resorting to withdrawing love. You can still love someone and leave them. The feeling that you generate can be independent of that action. In fact, this is what I recommend you do. If you want to leave someone, wait until you learn to love them just as they are, which is great work to do. It's great practice for creating the feeling that you want to experience despite what the other person is doing. We don't have to love their actions or behavior, but we don't need to necessarily stop loving the person with all their faults and failings. Because that's all of us, isn't it? We all have our faults and failings. When we can learn to love the imperfect versions of ourselves and others, it becomes a much nicer world to live in and a much nicer experience to have in our lives. By understanding this, we empower ourselves to approach love with greater awareness and consciousness. We can recognise that love is a continuous journey of growth and it requires open communication and compassion, forgiveness and self-reflection. Love becomes a transformative force when we release our own expectations and foster understanding. And embracing the imperfections of ourselves and others. This perspective invites us to take responsibility for our own emotional well being and to approach love with a sense of self awareness and curiosity in seeking to understand. It encourages us to communicate openly, to set healthy boundaries, and cultivate empathy and forgiveness for our imperfections. And the fact that we cannot escape our origins born of original sin, or any other interpretation of human fallibility that other religions may offer. When we can take all of these things into account, it becomes much easier to navigate the complexities of relationships and create deeper, more authentic connections. The idea that love never hurts, encourages us to transcend the belief that love inherently causes pain. Instead, it reminds us to examine the roots of our own disappointments and recognize that love in its purest form is a transformative force that empowers us to grow, to heal and build meaningful connections. By understanding this, we can redefine our relationship with love as an emotion that we have control over and cultivate relationships that are nourishing, that are supportive and are being fueled from the emotion of love. This also applies to our own self-love, despite always falling short of our own expectations. We think that if we hate on ourselves, it will motivate us in wanting to be better but the opposite is true when you hate your way to a goal or an achievement or something it will never last when you experience the feeling of hate it's depleting and exhausting and you'll never get there for long because you will eventually want to escape from yourself and all the self-loathing by seeking refuge in a temporary hit of pleasure in whatever form that is for you whether that's food alcohol, drugs, shopping, or numbing out on Netflix. Your life will become an ongoing cycle of distraction and relief if you try and hate yourself to so-called victory or success. You need to love and empower yourself all the way there. When we approach love with awareness and compassion, it has the power to heal and nurture. Love is always the best option. So it's time. We release this misconception that love hurts, placing the focus instead on our own emotional responsibility. Then we are free to create more fulfilling, genuine connections built on understanding, empathy, and growth. So go and love on all the peoples out there, folks. And in doing so, just remember that it's you who gets to indulge in the experience of love. Take care. I'll talk to you next week. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out Mind Scholars. It's my monthly coaching membership where we take all of this work to a much deeper level. We study it and then apply it to the everyday in every way. So if you want to take your life to a whole new level, join me in Mind Scholars over at themindmanual.com forward slash join. I look forward to seeing you there.